0: See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.
1: The House Committee on the Judiciary will come to order. Without objection, the chair is authorized to declare recesses of the committee. Object. Objection noted. Quorum is present. We are conducting this hearing on the impeachment inquiry into President Donald J. Trump. Presentations from the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and the House Judiciary Committee pursuant to House Resolution 660, and the Special Judiciary Committee procedures that are are described in Section 4A of that resolution. Here is how the committee will proceed for this hearing. I will make an opening statement, and then I will recognize the ranking member for an opening statement. After that, we will hear two sets of presentations. Obviously, I shouldn't have to remind everyone present that the audience is here uh, to observe, but not to demonstrate not to indicate agreement or disagreement with any witness or with any member of the committee. The audience is here to observe only, and we will maintain decorum in the hearing room.
0: Paul Violis is a CBS News security consultant, an accomplished author, and a renowned global security and law enforcement expert. With over 35 years of experience, he's dedicated his life to finding solutions for the problems that keep you up at night. This is Security Matters with Paul
1: Violas.
2: Welcome to Security Matters with your security matters most. I'm Paul Violas, and this is a CBS News Radio production. A big thank you to everybody. Uh, all the great comments that people have been writing in on social media, especially after speaking on the Hill this week with the Safe House Project and talking about what we need to do. Uh, to really start attacking aggressively this epidemic of sex trafficking of women and minors. But Safe House Project, great job, Congressional Auditorium, wonderful, wonderful event. And again, thank you all for writing in. Today, though, speaking of Capitol Hill, speaking of what was going on upstairs when we were in that grand auditorium, the impeachment hearing of President Donald Trump. Now, the last time we talked about this, our guest uh, gave us... By far, a stellar education on the impeachment process. What is it exactly? And we all learned a lot from that. And you all wrote. So many of you wrote in praising our our guest, my colleague, who I'm proud to call my colleague. And and now today, we're fortunate enough to have CBS News Radio legal analyst and renowned legal scholar Thane Rosenbaum is joining us again today. Thane, thanks so much for taking the time.
0: Any time for you, Paul.
2: Thane, take us back now. When you left off, you get you gave us a phenomenal education, and I bragged about this because you taught me a lot about that, about the impeachment process. Now take us to from your analysis, and I'm going to step away from the mic. Take us to what happened in the House as you saw it, why certain things took place. Went to the Senate. What have we seen in the Senate? And again. More than ever, Thane, I'm not just saying this because you're my colleague and and someone I admire greatly, but I truly believe that America needs your expertise now more than ever, not like it didn't before, but more than ever, because we've had so much of the left saying one thing, and we have so much of the right saying one thing, and I've been on the Hill this week for two days, and Americans are confused. So with that, Thane, give us that factual analysis, take us to the first day of the hearing, in the House
0: or yours? So, so Paul, so we start off of course in the House and the House's responsibility was the impeachment itself, right? So the House handles the impeachment, the Senate handles the trial that is about the removal or the acquittal of the, of the, of the federal officer, in this case the President of the United States. So the impeachment has already happened and that took place in the House. Uh, the way that normally begins is the House votes normally to, in, to begin to commence an impeachment investigation. That didn't happen this time. It's not clear what the significance was, but normally they actually vote to say, should we begin an impeachment investigation instead? And this is what the president's lawyers have said. you know, They rushed to judgment from the beginning. They simply had the two committees, Schiff's Committee on Intelligence, Nadler's Committee on the Judiciary, go to work. Right. What uh, essentially was was an investigation. So the House was essentially gathering the evidence to decide whether to impeach or not. That's all they were doing. The issues there was that the House, uh, those committees run by those Democrats, complained that the president wasn't making available his people. So that the evidence was, was was going to be distorted because we were not the people that purportedly knew most about the Zelensky phone call were the very same people that, other than we remember, we saw uh, the uh, the former ambassador to the European uh, Union, who was the only person other than Mulvaney, the chief of staff, right. who started to talk about language that gave you the sense that that meeting was really the quid pro quo, right? But 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 but. Sandrin, the ambassador, you know, he didn't say, "Look, I wasn't there." He's presuming that this was a quid pro quo. So both the House, those two committees, went to work to investigate, and they, in the end, they determined a couple things. They said, well, first of all, there was a lot more evidence that we weren't able to evaluate because the president wouldn't make it available. And because he wouldn't make it available, one of the articles of impeachment is going to be about that, which is what's called the obstruction of Congress.
2: Okay, so, so that's where and, obstruction comes in then, Thane. That's that, what, the
0: obstruction okay. only, right? That, it only came in – that was opened up because it was actually a very novel, you know, normally you hear obstruction of justice. Right. This was called, right? This is called obstruction of Congress. Why? Because two congressional committees set upon to investigate the Zelensky call to determine whether the president should be impeached, had committed impeachable offenses. And because the president wasn't making documents and people available, one of the articles, the second article, was obstruction of Congress. Got it. The first article of impeachment, and again, they could have come up with all kinds of articles. People didn't know how many there would be, but they came up with two. The first one was uh, the abuse of power. Now, this all falls under the category of high crimes and misdemeanors. Why? Right. Because it doesn't fall into the category of treason and bribery. Now, by the way, Paul... There are people who made the argument that if if the Democrats really felt that this was a quote quid pro quo, why not call it bribery, right? It's a variation of bribery. It's an exchange for something, right? You pointed that you
2: You pointed that out the last time that we were talking. I remember.
0: That's right. So you could they could have made they they decided for factual reasons that they should just. Slip it instead into the high crimes and misdemeanors category, which is, as much as we discussed the last time on your show, a more slippery category because no one knows what that is, right? I mean,
3: right.
0: you know, there's only been this is only the third impeachment trial. We're a country of you know over 230 years of existence. We're not that we're not, we haven't had that much experience in this, so. The the first uh, article of impeachment, again, falls into the category of high crimes and misdemeanors, which was the abuse abuse of power. And that's this whole idea that uh, President uh, uh, Trump had leveraged a favor that he wanted from a president of Ukraine, an ally, for them to initiate an investigation into the Bidens. Uh, And in return for which, this is the allegation, this is the claim, that, that in return for which uh, they would release the military aid that Congress had already appropriated, right? Because it was supposed to be – Congress is the, has the power of the purse. So it's their job to determine that aid was already established and was supposed to be on its way. The question is, was it being withheld? Did it get held up in order for this quid pro quo that we will give you a White House meeting and we'll release the money that you need – uh, military aid, but first we need to see you uh, provide this uh, uh, information to be- begin an investigation into the Bidens. Now, w- so so that's where the abuse of power came, and that those were the purportedly the two impeachable offenses. That were sent to the Senate. Remember, the reason reason it wasn't sent to the Senate, Senate, which is your question earlier, what was going on with Speaker Pelosi, is because she said, well, we don't really think – withheld all that evidence, and we don't know what evidence you're going to use, and you've already told the public that you're going to acquit the president. We need to be assured that you're going to actually conduct a fair trial. Now, that had never happened before. She yeah, basically I, decided normally if you vote for impe- articles of impeachment, you immediately send it to the Senate. I gotta, she decided, well— Let
2: me jump in yeah, here real ahead. quick because just so our listeners can understand a couple of points. One, when you talk about quid pro quo, thing, now quid yeah. pro quo from the Latin something for something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't that done every day in government, in the House, in the Senate? Other presidents have done it forever. You do this for me, I do this for you. Is it because now we're talking about money that this becomes a bad thing? Is that it?
0: No. Well, it's because of personal benefit is what the difference is. Remember, if we can go back now, we can go back to the Senate to talk about what the actual legal claims are. It's very simple. You can really divide this case very simply and say, look, if you are on the president's team, you're basically saying this might appear, this phone call may appear unseemly, undignified, crass, but it's how business is done, which is the point you're making. You know, you, you remember Lyndon Johnson, we have a long history of American presidents that cut hard deals and that this was just right. a a way of conducting foreign policy and that the president had an interest in making sure that corruption was rooted out of cr- ukraine it just so happens that the corruption here involved the son of his of his uh, of his democratic rival but that there was an interest in cleaning up the 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 corruption of ukraine and right. so if you're on the president's team you're saying "Hey, these are the way these phone calls sound you may not like the way they sound but there wasn't really a quid pro quo because the the Ukrainians didn't even even know that the military aid had been held up, although there's a question about that, right? Did they actually know? Because if they didn't know, then there, nothing was being held against them, right? So that they're just being doing a favor. Right. But again, the favor for the president is is framed in terms of, the policy consideration: We want corruption eliminated in your state, in your country. So, so is, was that discussion about uh, a policy objective, foreign policy, or was it for political advantage? Now,
2: That's you, did the you question. read? Did okay. you read the transcript? Because there's the other part about this that I think a lot of people are confused with, and and Quite frankly, I'm a little confused too, because the president coughed up the the, the transcript from from the telephone conversation almost immediately. What exactly right. what exactly is he being accused of withholding? What evidence?
0: Right. Well no. I mean the idea is that there was back channels in addition to that, that there was this uh, idea okay. that Zelensky was being pressured by ambassadors, by Giuliani, by people who was giving him information you are not going to get why it's happening, because it, it wasn't crassly in the transcript saying, You'll, I'm not going to meet with you. Right. That wasn't in the transcript, which is why the president kept saying, read the transcript, right? Because from his perspective, the trans, he kept saying it was a perfect call, right? He's saying it's a perfect call because it wasn't it – didn't, he didn't literally say, here's what I need you to do. I've got a competitor. I want to win this election. Right. I want some dirt on, on the Bidens. And in, if you get me some dirt on the Bidens, you get your money, and you get your White House meeting. That wasn't in the call. Right. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a call. That's why he called it a perfect call. The question is, was there, was, w- could you read within the, between the lines of what he was ultimately asking for? Which, Which is why you can look at this very simply. You can uh-huh. say either this is the way foreign policy is conducted. The president had a po- foreign policy objective to root out corruption. And that also there's this other question that he believed that it wasn't just Russia who interfered in the 2016 election, that it was also Ukraine. And so that he believes that he was looking into these matters. And as the commander-in-chief and the chief executive of this country, he has the prerogative to conduct foreign policy in that way. The Democrats' position the House of Commission was, no, this is not a foreign policy question. This is not about policy at all. This is about personal gain. That's the difference, that there's a personal benefit coming to this president. When the founding fathers were discussing what, what's the, why do we need these impeachable offenses, it was that the president is not a king. He or she may not be a wealthy person, and they might be double-dealing and not acting in the country's best interest. So Their job is, is to act in the country's best interest. Is, and so the question is, was he, was he operating in his, for his own benefit to sabotage or to guarantee that he would win the 2020 election, or was he conducting foreign policy? It's really, it's ultimately that simple.
2: It goes back to something you said, and believe me, the last time we spoke, I took copious notes. I, I've been bragging about our, our how much you, I learned from you forever since then. But one of the things you said, one of the many things you said, going back to my notes, was that in their eyes right? it's We talked about impeachment, and what really do they have to have in order to move forward? And you said it's in their eyes. So it also made me think about, you're talking about the founding fathers, Alexander Hamilton wrote about forms of misconduct. Can you explain where that comes into play here?
0: Yeah, see, this is the complicated stuff that was introduced also the other night by Dershowitz. Um, right. Because the question here is, what are the kinds of things that we're thinking about when we say high crimes and misdemeanors, right? Right. What do we mean by it? And so the question here, some of it had to do with this idea, financial gain. But again, they didn't raise treason. This is not what came out of this, not bribery. The high crimes and misdemeanors is the forms of conduct that we would find objectionable that would become essentially impeachable offenses. So the, question, the legal question now is, and that was what's been introduced, and the Republicans are now arguing that point, that abuse of power itself, on its own, even if it's proven that the president had abused of power, is not an actual crime. And if it's not an actual crime, it does, it's not contemplated as an impeachable offense under, uh, under, uh, un, under the uh, rubric of high crimes and misdemeanors. And so that became a separate question, right, to say, even if you can prove what you claim you can prove, unless you can establish that it was also attached to a crime. Now, again, that argument is, by most law professors, has been rejected, uh, and that abuse of power on its own, again, the issue here is, was the president double dealing for his own advantage? And his job is to serve the interests of the United States, which is why, in today's uh, in today's uh, question and answer sessions, apparently Dershowitz came up with another argument, which is to say, even if he was looking to to engage in getting it to to get himself reelected, right, that is still from his perspective in the country's best interest. He's serving the country by getting himself reelected, right. So this was yet another way of looking at abuse of power as not being an impeachable offense because what was the president intending if his intent is not personal gain but is simply to get himself reelected because he believes it's in the gut, that the United States best interest for Donald Trump to remain in office the argument that's being put forward today is that itself is not an abuse of power it's it's in it's serving the interest of the United States and that's what the founding fathers were talking about the difference between the role that a chief executive plays in commanding, uh, the, uh, directing the, gov- the government versus his own advantage. And so that is really what this debate has been about over the last few days. So the question of
2: witnesses saying the question yeah. of witnesses, I've heard this, too. Right. As we as we kind of move through the the charges themselves and and. The question of witnesses—the the the House is saying, or House Democrats are saying, that you know they're, they're imploring the need to call witnesses. Senate saying, you so you should have called witnesses in the House. What's the right answer there, then?
0: Well, that's a tricky thing, Paul. Um, remember when you said, "What's the first day that happened?" Well, right. we, we told you in the House the first days were the investigations, because that's what the House was there. Right. Their job was, they, they have an investigative role. Congress always has power over the purse and investigative roles. That's what they do. Once this shifted to the Senate, it became a trial. And became a trial, the question is, okay, what was the evidence that's going to be used in this trial? The Senate, in an in impeachment, and I remember talking to you about this and you were saying, what? As if to say, there are no real rules because each impeachment case, the Senate gets to make its own rules. And in this case, uh, McConnell's rules were that initially he said, we are, we are not going to be hearing any evidence. The evidence is not coming from the House at all. And that we're just going to take a vote. He just wanted to take a vote. And he, he conceded in the first day. He, he, to him, this was his compromise. I am willing to accept all of the evidence that was gathered with the Judiciary Committee and the Intelligence Committee and nothing else. All that evidence is the only evidence that will be used in trial. Immediately, the the Democrats said, yes, but remember, you withheld evidence because the government, the president, claimed an executive privilege and didn't want any of this documents or information or testimony to be presented before the Congress, can a president do that presented. under exec-
2: Can a president do that thing constitutionally? Yes. Can yes. okay
0: yes good. The question good. is, of course, yes. If he can. If he can assert his own. Look, there are some people, uh, constitutional scholar, law scholars, who believe that the supremacy clause of the Constitution grants a lot of extra power to the president than Congress would believe they have. So there are all sorts of people who take the position that the executive privilege of the president is much more, uh, much more uh, wide open and, and and generous. And so he can take the position, look, there's an executive privilege, I don't want you to know this information. This is privileged information. And so I'm not allowed, I'm not making any of these witnesses available. And so The the Senate essentially adopted all of the evidence that it had gathered in in the congressional committees and took no more evidence and basically said, at the end of each side's case and at the end of the question and answer period, we will have a day in which we will vote on whether we should take in more evidence. That's coming up on Friday. That's what Friday is. Friday is going to be the vote on whether they uh, hear that they – Decide that they are willing to add more evidence, aside from what again, this is the only evidence. Confusing that in, that in yeah the only evidence right now that's in the record is the evidence that was gathered. Okay, uh, in the, in the house. So, right? Thane, if so I'm a dis- question is can you get?
2: Yeah. If I'm understanding this correctly, so then the Senate, please educate me here. It, it, what you're saying is the Senate. What I think you're saying is going to vote Friday, whether or not there's going to be anything else considered before they vote on a verdict. So the same guys, the same senators, just stay with me on this, because I can see our listeners right now scratching their heads. The same senators that are going to vote for the verdict on the articles of impeachment, Article 1 being obstruction of Congress, Article 2, abuse of power, which are the charges, right? Right. The same ones that are going to vote on the verdict are the same ones that are going to vote on Friday to say whether or not there's more evidence. So now, obviously, uh, my legal knowledge pales in comparison to yours, Thane, but isn't that somewhat confusing?
0: Yeah, it is. But remember, the whole process is everything unlike an actual trial. Everyone knows from just watching, you know, uh, Law and Order, right? (laughs) Watching television, they know that, or or they've been called in as a juror. The Senate plays the role as the jury, right? That's their job. That's why they're not allowed to talk. They're jurors. They're being treated like jurors. And normally, as you know, in a court of law, when we do jury selection, the whole point of jury selection is to pick an impartial jury of peers who have no prejudices about the case, no preconceived. Think about that here. (laughs) The Republicans and Democrats, everyone here has an opinion. There is no impartiality in this case, right? All 100 of them are partial, so that even the essence of a trial doesn't exist in the same way, because we're not not assuming, so that's why you said head-scratching. Yes, the same people that are voting on the ultimate verdict are going to decide whether they need to hear more evidence. Everyone knew that the president, in the end, would remain as the president because he had a majority of senators in the the Senate. It would take a two-thirds vote. The the Republicans have the majority already in the Senate. Uh, Unless there are defections, the president might be impeached in the House, but he won't won't be removed from office. Everyone's known this. Right. Everyone has known this. You said this this from the beginning, Thane. You said this before day one. Everyone knew Every, exactly. You could predict what was going to happen. He would get impeached, but he would be acquitted. So McConnell is saying, look, let's get this over on day one. He's like ready to go. Right. That's why he didn't want to introduce any new evidence. He's going, hey, we know what we're going to do. This is not an impartial jury. We know where to vote. Let's vote now. What the hell? Right. So that's why they tried to The the Democrats have been trying to slow this down, which is why they used up all of their time every single minute, which is why they repeated themselves constantly, because they were basically taking America and the Senate through their case again, even though they didn't have extra the evidence that they wanted they argued the case as if they did so i've been saying this for the last you know week i'm saying well yes they didn't get the evidence but because this isn't a court of law which would never let them do this they were arguing as if they did hear the testimony but they didn't right as if they did have documents but they didn't to tell a story of gross abuse of power and obstruction of Congress, right? That was the two articles of impeachment. Right. Now, now, finally, we're getting to the day where they decide, well, will we hear additional evidence? Now, this wouldn't have come up at all, really, Paul, had it not been for Bolton's book. The story, this was the bombshell of over the weekend when the New York Times reported that, you know, up until that point, there wasn't anybody who could testify, who would or could testify with knowledge that the money, the military aid to the Ukraine, was being held up and held in contingency to, on condition that they investigate the Bidens. That had, no one actually had, that's the quid pro quo. So when someone got hold of the book, and in the book somewhere, page 200 something, uh, Bolton says, I, I was aware that the the money was being withheld and that the ukrainians knew okay. the money was from, being withheld from and a... so the, it was his testimony was that therefore all of a sudden crucial that's why you've seen a, it looks like maybe th- at least two if not four republican senators who will vote with the democrats on friday to introduce more evidence but again even after that vote paul mm-hmm. then they have to vote what evidence right that first they vote Will we accept new evidence? After that, they vote. What is it going to be? The first vote will be Bolton, right? We want him. But you see, one at a time.
2: But Thane, here's the problem with that. Here's the problem from an evidentiary standpoint, right? I don't think Bolton's really the smoking gun that everybody is playing him out to be. He's a disgruntled employee. It's the first time that he was ever fired from a job. And, and, and someone in the National Security Council is getting fired for leaking this. That's a separate thing. But when you start talking about what evidence is going to be produced, there's no withholding evidence. If the president legally has the right to exercise executive privilege, he can exercise that at this point to say what can and can't be shared in under the the umbrella of in the interest of national security. Is that am I off there? Or? Okay.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Well, that that has been their position all along. You're not you're not entitled to this information because the president is in, invoking his executive privilege to withhold the information. You're not going to see it because it's privileged. And so, the the Republicans, the Democratic Party, when they came to the uh, when came to the Senate impeachment trial, they basically said, you know, isn't the truth more important than your executive privilege? We're conducting a trial. America needs to know. And so, therefore, all evidence that's available should be made available in a trial. That's what a trial is for. Right. So that's what this fight has been about. They're saying, yeah, okay, you can claim executive privilege, but you shouldn't. And the reason you shouldn't is because this is a trial, and the trial is for the, to uh, obtain the truth, and you're withholding the truth. So that's why when bolton's book became available they were so desperate first of all it was something that was now no longer privileged it's the book right the president has no power over the publisher of the book Mm -hmm. it it raises an interesting legal question it certainly does because they could have they could have subpoenaed the book and not the man right they could basically the president could still go into court and say you can't have that either but that could have been a, another even, way they could have done. This, but right?
2: then even worst case scenario as I'm understanding this and we're talking through this. This is one person's word against another. This is a guy who Absolutely. got fired. This is this disgruntled employee. This guy who used to well, be the Fox darling right on the right side of the aisle. This guy's not going to have a chance getting a job at Fox or CNN. And, and he <laughs> just got fired you know. from government.
0: Yeah, well, you know, that's what the argument was yesterday. The private employers took the position. They're saying, you know, Bolton's Bolton's testimony should be deemed irrelevant. That was their position. They're saying, it's absolutely irrelevant. Why? It's unsourced. It's one guy. It's your point. It's a disgruntled employee. There's nothing to corroborate it. It's an unsourced manuscript. It's it's, just his book. He just said it. It doesn't mean it's true. And so they've been taking the position that, the, that it, it should not be admitted into evidence at all. Forget him, because he's not, he's not a qualified witness. So that was a separate argument. Remember, yesterday you saw the attorneys for the president throwing out lots of different new arguments. Sure. Like, one, they're saying Bolton should be disqualified for the reasons that you put up.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but they've also made this another argument that, look, the election is 10 months away we are a nation of elections. We're not a, le- a nation of impeachments, right? Let the people decide. The election is coming up. This, is, this trial is interfering. This is being a way to eliminate Donald Trump's second term because they don't think that they can beat him at the ballot box, and they can only beat him if he is Impeached. removed from office. Right. Right. Okay. Well, he has been impeached.
2: But, right, right, right. right, right.
0: Will he, right he'll be removed from Will office. Will he be so removed from an, office? Invited of impeachment. Right. right. Here's, a new, here's a newer argument, which is to say, you know, isn't this really something that we should leave up to the American people? <laughs> isn't this really well, something that we should wait for the election? Super Tuesday is coming up in six weeks. This election is happening. Do you, how is this a functioning democracy if we're not elect, allowing the people to make that decision instead of allowing – remember, the argument that the president's lawyers have made – and actually, I think they've made a good argument here. They said before even he got elected, but certainly from day one, they wanted him impeached.
3: Right.
2: Well, they, This
0: was their plan from day one he's never had from the Mueller investigation he's never had a day where this was not the objective this was not the end game so they were like saying understand the context you know the president's lawyers were making the argument when they're saying well why would he want the ukrainians to investigate the bidens why wouldn't he want his own intelligence agencies and the president's lawyers are saying His own intelligence agencies were involved in the investigation of his campaign. He doesn't trust them. He believes, you know, that the FBI and the CIA, that from the Mueller investigation alone, that he doesn't have any faith that the investigation, the investigative agencies of the United States, would be fair toward him. So that's their, the argument they were making. They're saying, try to understand this perspective of this president. Right. He's not going to call the FBI. He doesn't trust the FBI. So he doesn't think that he. <laughs> this is
2: craziness, Thane. This is craziness. I'm going I'm to take a stab at trying to sum up everything we've just talked about, and I want you to I want you to pound on me when I'm wrong. Okay. But I'm. Gonna,
3: <laughs> okay. I'm just I'm just Let's shaking my head.
2: I'm sorry, Thane. I'm just shaking my head at this. I learn more and more every time we talk. So. In the totality of the impeachment process and the hearings, it's, it starts in the House under two articles. Otherwise, in legal terms, would be charges, right? But they're articles. Right. So and those articles are obstruction of Congress,
3: which...
0: Which we know is they're taking the position. It's because there were people that were not made available to them right. to interview, to, to take testimony from.
2: Right. But by the same... T- that's, that's the House's claim. And and the other side of the argument is, well, he's charged for obstruction of Congress, but the, the president claimed executive privilege, which he's entitled to. That's right. Okay. And that's then right. they charge him with abuse of power for the yes. conversation itself and the potential of quid pro quo. Yes. Right? But, which—
0: but It could be that he's conducting foreign policy, which is, is his job. Right. It's his job. Policy, okay. And that's, that's his job. His job— That's his job, to conduct foreign policy, and that that call was essentially his handling policy objectives. It was not for personal advantage.
2: Got it. Okay, so now we're in the House, and as you pointed out, there's typically a traditional investigation is the first step. That's right. Where witnesses are identified, et cetera, and and as you point out, that didn't happen. So... The, well, the,
0: there's some did. They got some testimony, okay. but they didn't get all that they wanted. They okay. wanted more, and they, it wasn't made available to them. Right. So, so they did develop a record, because remember, in order to vote on the articles of impeachment and then send it to the Senate, right, right. they had to purportedly have evidence that they were basing it on. Right. So they, whatever the evidence was, they basically concluded that we have enough evidence. We wanted more, but we have enough to draft these two articles so, of impeachment,
2: so they draft them, they vote, they impeach. Impeachment happens right. in the House. Then Speaker Pelosi, which is unprecedented, holds the articles, doesn't send them to the Senate, as she puts it, because she didn't think that she was going to get a fair shake. But
0: she ends up. She's saying yes. She's yeah. saying I'm not going. I'm not going to be involved in some circus. Right. I want this to. I want you to prove to me. I'm the Speaker of the House. I want you to prove to me that this is going to be a how? real trial. Talk about it, not I, a phony trial. How the hell can you
2: do that? You're the Speaker of the House, well, anyway. So she does it. It goes to the house. It goes to the Senate. Yeah. And then from the Senate, yeah. the um, the House makes their pitch. The Senate makes their pitch. The House cheap right, justice. The House
0: managers. Right? The House managers are picked by the Democrat that side of right. Congress and there was a team of them who've they, been basically the prosecutors. Right. They're called the house managers. And the president was represented by a team of lawyers, right. private lawyers.
2: Okay, so now so that's where what it we've sits. been
0: seeing and the senator the senators by the rules of the one rule that they invoke in this Perfect. proceeding, they're serving the role of jurors. So they can't speak. Right. They don't make speeches, why so you only hear. So they're just sitting there like jurors. And right. so the only people speaking are either the president's lawyers or the house managers.
2: And presiding is Chief Justice Roberts, Chief Justice, U.S. Supreme Court. Now,
0: which to, is right, right.
2: right. So now they're going to take a vote on Friday and which is tomorrow. They're going to take a vote on Friday and they're going to say, OK, do we want to allow more evidence? And if so, then it's going to be another vote as to what evidence they can either say, yes. Or no? If they say no, then they're going to move to a vote for, to to really cast a verdict on the impeach yeah. the charge of impeachment. Okay. Yeah, so think we that's have, what we, we have.
0: We have all that we need to make to vote on whether the president should be removed from office.
2: Right. So to sum all this up, inevitably, even if a couple of Republicans go on the side of the Democrats to say, "Yeah, we want more evidence," at the end of the day, the president can clearly exercise his, his executive privilege, and that doesn't get submitted, that evidence doesn't get submitted, and then it's going to come back to that No, verdict. no, no, no. Oh.
0: So, no, no. That, no. In this so case, that won't happen. It, it, yeah. It, looks. Bolton said all along he'd be willing to testify. It's just the president won't let him, right? Right. So the only difference here is that the Senate is taking the position that we are going to vote and that... Uh, Bolton will make himself available, and it's really about what's in his book, right. right? So that's really, you know, it's really there, but really it's because of the book that makes him available, okay. right, because that has already been leaked. Otherwise, it was privileged. Now it's no longer privileged. We, we know what's in the book. Someone leaked it. Um, so the, que- the, the real question is, if, if you believe that Bolton is so compelling and charismatic a witness, that he will turn a few senators, Republicans, away from acquitting the president. The president's got a problem with Bolton testifying. But if you believe that it doesn't matter, no matter what he says, the Republicans are going to hold, even the four that defected would defect on Friday to vote with the Democrats to permit more evidence, in the end, they're not going to change the vote no matter what. Right. And that's what everyone believes. And that's where we make are. That's what he says. Okay. That's where we are. We really think, do we really need to hear him? Because if we hear him, that's why the Republicans have been taking the position in the last few days. We shouldn't hear him anyway. Why? Well, because his opinion doesn't matter because it's uncorroborated. It's one guy, one word against the other. Right. right? And now they're taking another position. They're saying, well... You know, the abuse of power itself is not an actual impeachable offense. It's, if that's what this is about, it's about abuse of power, that it, this is not what the Founding Fathers ever imagined that the, a president could lose his position from. Right. The, the, the Democrats are saying, no, this is exactly what they meant. A president that's double dealing for his own personal gain, is using the he's basically misapplying his job in foreign policy in order to get himself reelected this is exactly what the founding fathers thought abusive power was and they contemplated that it would be possible for the art for the articles of impeachment to be deemed a high crime and misdemeanor as abuse of power
2: so at the end of the day we're going to see what happens tomorrow with this vote and and Thane, can i count on you to fit us into your schedule next week to join us for part three after this vote goes in to get your post-mortem analysis on this entire process
0: If Paul wants me and Security Matters wants me, I will be here for you.
2: God bless you, my friend. You are a wonderful gentleman. I am privileged and honored to call you a colleague. We're talking to Thane Rosenbaum, again, CBS News Radio legal analyst and also a renowned legal scholar in this country and an educator for all of us. Thane, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm going to look forward to talking to you. Oh, incredibly so. So, everybody, I want you to make sure you listen next week. Listen next week. Thane is going to come back. He's going to give us a complete postmortem of this entire process. Like you, I am looking forward to that. So stay with us and hit us up next week. Have a great week. Be safe. Be well. God bless. Thanks for listening to
0: Security Matters with Paul Violas. The podcast is produced by Seth Nyman and CBS News Radio. For more podcasts from CBS News, visit cbsaudio.com podcasts.